I'm Cameron Silsby, and I lead all of our Van City communities. Let's jump right into the text. Today, we'll read Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 through 12. Grab your Bibles, and let's read it together. Colossians 2, starting in verse 6. So then, just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. In him you are also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self, ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. Paul is an excellent theologian, knowledgeable, sharp, but also very practical. He's been subtly teaching theology up to this point in the letter through explaining his prayers on behalf of the Colossians, through a poem or hymn, and even through his version of a resume. But now he takes the time to explicitly teach concise but profound theology about Jesus, which is called Christology. Here, Paul addresses their beliefs straight on that have been infiltrated and influenced by the surrounding pluralistic culture. Remember, remember, it was the norm in Colossae to treat religion and philosophy as a buffet. Choose what you want and make sure all your bases are covered by choosing a lot of variety. So Paul calls out three specific strands that were undermining the Colossians' faith in Jesus as King and Lord. He starts with philosophy. Uh, But this denouncement uh, isn't against philosophy as a whole, but against particularly deceitful and empty philosophies. In other words, Paul isn't against philosophy, but against bad philosophy, and particularly bad philosophy that is toxic to the way of Jesus. He then moves on to mention a bizarre thing called elemental spiritual forces of the world. There's some disagreement to what Paul was talking about. Uh, He could have been referring to basic elements of nature, as in fire, water, earth, etc. But in context of the whole letter and how Paul uses that phrase in other parts of other letters, it seems more likely that uh, Paul was referring to spiritual entities, perhaps that were associated with material elements, and that needed to be placated or else bad things may befall you, your family, or your business. And then Paul wraps up this trifecta with speaking against the need for circumcision among the apprentices in Colossae. In every respect, Paul wants to make clear that Jesus is more than sufficient to accomplish more than these beliefs or practices could ever dream to do. Let me list all the ways Paul describes who Jesus is and what he's done for us in this text. Jesus is Christ, or another way to say that would be King. Jesus is Lord or Master. Jesus is a solid grounding for a philosophical worldview. 
In Jesus, there is the staggering meeting and intertwining of humanity and the fullness of God. Jesus is more powerful and over every spiritual being and authority. In Jesus, our flesh, the sinful, broken part of us, has effectively been removed and is no longer the defining characteristic of who we are. Jesus was buried in death and raised to life, paving the way for us to find life in God. This is Paul's way of explaining to the Colossians that there's no need or uh, benefit to go through the religious buffet uh, in order to address their fears or desires for power over their lives. Culturally, we may not be as intentionally or consciously pluralistic as Colossae, but it, it's all too easy to shift the weight of our lives onto hope, uh, onto hope in our degrees or careers or family or financial security or a steady stream of new and exciting shows or movies. It's a fairly standard human thing to do. But when those things are threatened directly or at least indirectly by a high degree of uncertainty, taking account of how we are responding and reacting is important. Often in facing a lack of control and feelings of helplessness, our response is to be angry or anxious or linger in despair or attempt to numb those feelings. Today, I want you to take account of how you're responding to a global pandemic that has brought a large degree of uncertainty and pain and how you're responding to a lack of control and feelings of helplessness. What has been on your mind, perhaps keeping you up at night, or keeping your mind preoccupied and distracted from time to time? Bring to mind previous moments of anger, anxiety, worry, a strong desire to zone out to a show or movie or game, and what you were thinking about leading up to or in those moments. When doing this, do your best to withhold judgment about these feelings and thoughts. Don't be hard on yourself. The point of this exercise isn't to bring to mind how bad or vulnerable you are, but to use this situation as an opportunity to rebalance your life and perspective firmly on Jesus. Once you feel like you've taken account of your thoughts and feelings, I want you to read slowly through today's text, stopping at each mention of Jesus. Linger there a moment, remembering that you are in him and he is in you. Each time you stop, think about how this strikes you in the moment, especially in relation to how you're thinking and feeling. To end your time, take a few minutes to respond to Jesus. Perhaps that's with gratitude and praise, or perhaps that's with confession, or maybe that's even just quiet contemplation, taking in what you feel he's spoken to you. Jesus, Thank you that our lives are safe in you and defined by what you've done for us. Help us to see ourselves today as rooted and built up in you. Mm -hmm.